you got your Bibles with you, would you go to Matthew chapter 4? Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11 today. And if you got it and you're ready, would you just stand to honor God's Word? Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. It'll also be on the screen if you uh, don't have your Bible with you today. This is what the Word of God said. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version this morning. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, I just ask that your anointing would be upon me to preach and that your anointing would be on the congregation today, myself included, to hear and receive from you. Let our hearts and minds be open, and God, let us leave here changed and different and better than what we came in. In your name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. This is a uh, story of the Bible. It's, it's one that is very powerful uh, to me as I read it, but it starts out with a very interesting statement. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's a very interesting statement when you read that. And you also need to understand that before this uh, adventure into the wilderness takes place, there is a moment before this where Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And in this moment, Jesus is brought up from the water, and the Bible tells us that uh, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, rested on Jesus, and a voice from heaven came down from the Father and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And, and, but here's the crazy thing, is immediately after that is when that same Holy Spirit that rested on Jesus in the form of a dove led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That like when you, if you think about it, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us initially. See, we understand a lot about who Jesus is now and, and all of that, but like when, if you were to put yourself in that position, I think we could find ourselves relating to that. We are beloved children of God. God has called us his beloved children. We have been rescued with the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. 
But the reality of it is, is many times we still find ourselves in a wilderness. Many times we find ourselves walking through a wilderness of life. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense because in one moment we see Jesus being affirmed and approved by the Father where God is saying from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And it's like because I'm pleased with him, guess where he's going next? To the wilderness. Isn't that an interesting chain of events? And isn't it interesting how one moment we could be hearing from God and we could be on top of the mountain feeling like we are his beloved child, everything is great, we could be wrapped in a warm hug of the Father, and all of a sudden we find ourselves plunged into the wilderness. Has anybody ever felt that way before, where, you, where you've been told you, you, you've been affirmed by God, you've been approved by God, and, you, and you've been told you've been loved by him, but now you're in a wilderness season? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because in our fleshly minds, we believe that if we are truly loved by God, we should never experience a wilderness. We, we think in our minds that if we love God, and I don't know where this, this theology came from, that if you are saved, everything is rainbows, cupcakes, and unicorns, and flowery fields, and frolicking, and, and it just doesn't, it's not the reality And it's shown in this scripture right here that you can be saved, you can be loved by God, you can be called by God, you can be approved by God, and still have to walk through a wilderness season. And I find it interesting, and I find it very relevant to us today, that it is at the end of the 40 days of fasting and prayer that Satan makes his appearance to Jesus. See, I've learned something about how the the devil works to attack us. It's that he waits until we are in our weakest, most vulnerable state to make his move. You see, if Satan would have made his move on day one or even maybe day five or six, it would have been pretty easy for Jesus to, to fight off the temptation. It would have been pretty simple for him to say, no, get out of here. I'm not having any of your nonsense I'm in the middle of fasting and prayer. Leave me. But by the time we get to day 40, it's a different story. By the time we get to day 40, that's a long time to go without any nourishment for the body. Has anybody ever done a 40-day fast before? It's a hard time physically, but it's a great time spiritually. We struggle to fast a single meal in a day. We live in a culture where we got to have fast food and we got to have it now. If we got to wait more than five minutes in the McDonald's line, we get a little impatient and we get a little frustrated, don't we? But you see, Jesus has just gone 40 days and nights fasting and praying and seeking the face of God, seeking the face of the Father getting close to him in his relationship. And it's at the end of this where he's been through this incredible spiritual journey coming from the mountaintop that at the end of it, all of a sudden, he finds temptation. And it is because Satan watched and he waited for the right moment to strike. He waits till we are in our weakest, most vulnerable state of being to make his move. It makes perfect sense if you even go back in the book of Genesis, back when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. You see, it's interesting to me that uh, that the serpent, Satan being a serpent in this story, talks to Eve 
instead of Adam. It's very interesting to me, but if you, if you look at the, the way Eve was created, Eve was created with the purpose of conversation and companionship in mind. In other words, she was made to be a talker. She was made for a relationship and for conversation. That's why he, she was created, because God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone, so let me make him a companion. And so he knew that through building a relationship with Eve, that through that relationship he could manipulate her, and through that conversation bend the truth to get her to succumb to the temptation of eating the forbidden fruit. And he knew Adam's greatest weakness was Eve. He knew that Adam could not resist his wife. Can, I, can anybody relate to that today? That he will use the people around us to tempt us at times. But he understands our weaknesses. He understands our vulnerabilities. And he waits until the right moment to use those against us to get us to succumb to his temptations. And so there are three temptations that happen for Jesus. You see, at the end of the 40 days, Jesus was hungry. He was 100% God, but 100% man, and the fleshly side of him was wanting a cheeseburger. The fleshly side of him was longing for some Long John Silvers or, or some Taco Bell or some Texas Roadhouse, and he was hungry, he was ready to eat, and so Satan shows up. And although he's still 100% God, that manly, fleshly, humanly side of him desired something. And it is in this first temptation that we find a temptation of the flesh. Satan shows up. He knows Jesus is hungry. He knows the desires of the flesh. He understands what Jesus is desiring. You see, we got to understand something about sin is that we are all tempted differently. What tempts me may not tempt you, and what tempts you may not tempt me. There are things that we have in our lives that for one person it is a big struggle, but for another it's no big deal for them to say no to it. It's very it's very interesting. And, but you see, we have this fleshly side of us regardless of what our temptation may be and what we struggle with that has desires. And in this case, Jesus' fleshly human side had a desire to eat something, and Satan knew that. And so he comes to him and he says, hey, listen, I know you're hungry. Why don't you take these stones and turn them into bread? In other words, why don't you just take this moment to satisfy your flesh? What's the big deal? You're the son of God, aren't you? Can't you just do whatever you want? Can't you just take this moment and satisfy that fleshly desire to eat? You see, the, the goal of this temptation, this first category, the temptation of the flesh, Satan tries to throw us off our mark and throw us off our path and purpose by getting us to fall in to giving into our flesh and falling into sin. And Jesus says, you should not tempt the Lord your God. It is written. 
And he was able to beat this first temptation. And we're going to talk about winning in the wilderness here in just a second. But we need to understand the fight that we are fighting. But the goal of Satan in this temptation is to get us to satisfy our flesh, to get to get us to give in to the desire of the flesh, to give in to that temptation, so that in this moment when we are our flesh is crying out, feed me this, feed me that, whatever it may be for you. Maybe it's a, a desire for alcohol. Maybe it's a desire for drugs. Maybe it's a desire for sexual things. Maybe it's a desire for, for whatever it may be. Whatever it is for you, there is a cry of the flesh that says, give me, give me, give me. And in this moment, we have to have enough fortitude to say no to it. But if Satan can get us to fall and give in to the flesh, the cry of the flesh, then he can get us to walk away from our journey with God. The second temptation, Satan takes him to the top of the pinnacle of the temple, and he says, why don't you throw yourself down? Because it is written, after all, that he will command his angels concerning you, and he will lift you up by their hand, and he will protect you so that you wouldn't even hit your foot on a stone and be injured whatsoever. So why don't you test this out? Why don't you give in to this? Why don't you see if you are as secure in your relationship with God as you seem to think you are? The second temptation that Jesus uh, was faced with is the temptation to question our security and our relationship with God, or, or in other words, to question God's love and care for us. See, another way that we could have this question posed to us is like I mentioned a little while ago that, man, if God really loved me, I wouldn't have to deal with this. If God really loved me, he would rescue me from all danger, all challenges, all hardship, and he would just lift me up and set my feet on a solid rock, and I would never have to deal with any of this stuff. If, if I wouldn't even have to fall off the pinnacle of the temple. I could just, he, he would just raise me up every time I try to do something, every time something comes against me. I would never have to face anything. But the reality of it is, is sometimes God's not, will is not to just deliver us from every situation. Sometimes he wants to deliver us through situations so that way we can come out on the other side better than what we came into. If you don't believe me, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were tempted to bow down and worship the false idol of the king. And he threw them into a furnace for it, a fire so hot that it killed the guards that threw him in, them in. And the Bible says as he looked at them in the furnace that there, there was a fourth man that had the appearance of the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? They did not know it, but in that moment, God was with them in the furnace. It's not always about avoiding the furnace. Sometimes it is through the furnace that God does his greatest work in your life. And when they came out on the other side, the Bible says that they did not even smell like smoke. In fact, the only thing that did get burned was the bondage that held them when they went in. 
that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother time, and maybe we'll do that. But I want you to understand today that it's not always about avoiding the wilderness. It's not always about if God loved me, I would never even have to think about this. The car would never break down. If God loved me, I would never have any debt. If God loved me, I would never see medical bills. If God loved me, I would never have to deal with this family situation over here and that situation over there. I would never get sick. And, and that's the mentality we get. And we fall into that temptation to say that God does not love us like he said he would. That is the temptation that is being presented to Jesus in this moment. The temptation to give up on the relationship because of the circumstances he is in. To be looked around and say, well, if God loved me, he would rescue me, wouldn't he? If God loved me, he would. He would would raise me up. But again, Jesus says it is written. The third temptation Jesus comes to is the Satan's lost the first two battles. And on this third one, he takes them to the mountaintop and shows them all the kingdoms of the world. And says, all of this can be yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. The, the funny thing about this particular temptation to me is when he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, if you bow down, it is all going to be yours. I'll give you all of it. Isn't it interesting? It's so interesting to me because it already belongs to him anyway. The Bible says that he rests his feet on the earth. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It, it all belongs to Christ anyway. Why would he need to bow down and worship Satan? But I found out that, like I mentioned earlier, he knows our weaknesses. And not that I want to declare Jesus as weak, but there is a temptation there, a legitimate temptation there, because Jesus knew what he came on this earth to do and to face. Jesus knew that he had to come and face the cross, that he had to be beaten, whipped, hung on this cross, carry this cross down this path, the Via Dolorosa, and take it down and be hung on this cross to be persecuted, to be, to be abandoned by all. And the easy thing would have been to accept Satan's offer. The temptation was to settle. Because you see, although all of the kingdoms of this world belong to Christ already, they are still only temporary. He would have forfeited the eternal kingdom that was to come. You see, this third temptation is a temptation to settle. You see, sometimes when we're journeying through a wilderness, there are opportunities that present themselves that look great, look wonderful, but they're not of God. It may not be God's plan in some of these circumstances. There may be things in your life that are there, seem like great opportunities that that if you just would just settle in and you would just not necessarily worship the devil for, but in a way you are giving up what God has for you as an eternal purpose, as an eternal plan for you to settle for whatever riches would come with the moment. There is a temptation to settle. There There is seasons of the wilderness where you will find a good camping spot, if you will, 
a, a moment that is only supposed to be a moment, is only supposed to be a temporary stop, is only supposed to be a pit stop, that we decide that, you know, this is pretty nice here. I could set up camp here. I could, I could stay here for a while. I, I, I think I kind of like it here. And we make what God meant to be just a momentary uh, 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 stopping point, checkpoint in the journey to be the end line finish point for us. And there is a temptation to settle because sometimes we step back and we look at how far we've come through the wilderness, but we look at how much wilderness is still left to go through. And we say, I really am just so tired of going through this wilderness. I am so tired of walking through this journey. I am so tired of trying to navigate these hills and these valleys and these mountains and dealing with the predators that are in the wilderness and dealing with all the different things that I have to fight and face. And you know what? This place is, I found some rest and some refuge and some peace and some provision. The stream is really nice. It's, it's relaxing. It's calming. And in that season, it might be. But the reality of it is, is if you settle there, you will miss out on what is on the other side of the wilderness. This temptation to settle is strong. This temptation to just fasten your seatbelt and relax when God has called you to so much more is a strong temptation. And I have found this one to be, it's, it's easier for us to say no to the flesh it's easier for us to be secure in our relationship with God than it is for us to understand the temptation of settling and missing out on God's purpose. You see, there are so many people in this world that have found a place that has been comfortable for them, that have found a place in the wilderness that they've just called home, and they are missing out on all that God has for them because they just have said, this is good enough for me. It, it might be good enough for you, but it's not God enough. It's not enough of what God wants for you. And see, when we give in to what is easy now, we forfeit what God has for us later. We miss out on the eternal reward that God has for us in our purpose. See, if Jesus would have settled and said, yeah, this is easier the reality of it is, is although it may have been comfortable, although it may have been easy, it was still only temporary. Eventually, it would all be destroyed, and he would be left with nothing. And he would have forfeited the eternal kingdom. You see, we see these three different temptations, and, and I, I truly believe that in our journey of life and faith, that at some point in time, and maybe many points in time and multiple different occasions, we find ourselves in a wilderness and we find ourselves facing these temptations. You see, in the wilderness, when it's difficult and the flesh is crying out, because satisfying the flesh gives a temporary feeling of bliss and relaxation, Questioning God's love is easy to do in the wilderness because you're wondering, if, I, if God really loved me, why do I have to face this? It's easy to want to settle in the wilderness because you don't want to deal with what's going beyond where you're at now. But I need us to understand today that there is purpose to all of this. 
One thing I have come to learn is that before God uses us greatly, he allows us to be tried and tested to be true. He will try us in the fire before he allows us to be a finished product. It's scriptural. Before you can be ruler over much, you must be faithful with little. And a lot of times the test of being faithful with little comes with the season of the wilderness. We can... The reality of it is we could never really say that Jesus was truly sinless unless he was actually tempted with sin. That's the reality of it. So for him to walk this earth and actually be sinless, the, the, the true, and for him to overcome sin, he have to actually be tempted with sin. You can't overcome what you never even have to face. And so this purpose of the wilderness for Jesus was to prove that what God said about him and the prophecies about him were true. That as he walked through this wilderness, God was making the wilderness into a proving ground, a testing ground, so that at the end of the day we could say he is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who is to be slain for us all. And that is his purpose on this earth. So I want us to understand today, it's hard for me to pinpoint the exact purpose of the wilderness for everybody, but one general thing I can say is that through the wilderness, if you go through these tests and you navigate these temptations according to what is written, what I can guarantee you is that through the other side of it, you will at a bare minimum be closer to God in your relationship with him. I don't know your exact purpose on this world and what God is molding you and shaping you for, but I can, I can honestly tell you that as I stand here today, that if I would not have walked through some of the wildernesses that I walked through, I would not be able to stand here today. There are things that I had to walk through in my mind and even physically deal with and, and, and work through and, and understand and learn and grow in and face the different trials and temptations that come with the wilderness that granted me the ability and, and privilege to preach the Word of God to you today. This is the reality of it is that the wilderness is preparation for you and whatever God has for you. I find it interesting. I want to give you some things that we can use to win in the wilderness. I got a couple of things for you, and then we'll be done today. The first way we have to, the first thing we need to win in the wilderness is we first need to know the truth. Notice how in the first temptation, Jesus fought back with the Word of God. He said, it is written. But in the second temptation... Satan uses the word of God against him in temptation. He'll say, well, isn't it written that he will command his angels concerning you? He, he will take the word of God and twist it. Satan will take God's word and twist it to make you believe something out of context for what God is calling you to walk through and put a thought in your head that is not based on real truth, but it is based on a twisted truth that applies to a different situation that God will use against you. For example, we will believe that we are the head and not the tail and until we start feeling like we're the tail. And then we'll start questioning, well, where was God? When I feel like the tail. 
And he will take scriptures and he will twist them and use them against us. We see it in churches all across this country and in the world that have taken scriptures and twisted them and used them. And Satan has manipulated the, the leadership of, all, of churches all across this nation to get people to believe lies that have led them away from the truth and reality of who God in Christ is. He, we have to have an intimate relationship with God's word to understand what is true and what is not true and to understand the context of what God said so that way we can rightly divide and apply God's word in our life. Satan said, well, isn't it written? And Jesus said, well, yeah, but it's also written, you should not tempt the Lord your God. It's so important for us to understand the word of God because he will take the words that God said and twist them and, and wield them against us as lies. That's the extent he's willing to go. And the only way we will ever defeat that is by us having a real understanding of what is true. The second thing we have to understand is we have to know who we are in Christ. If you notice in these first two temptations, Satan asked the question, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, in other words, if you really are who you think you are, if you really are who they say you are, if you really are this, then you should be able to do this. This is a dangerous question. And it's a question many of us find ourselves facing with. If I really am a child of God, if I really am loved by God, if I really am called by God, then why this? Why that? And it is a question we deal with all the time. And I need you to understand that you are a beloved child of God. You are sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is all very true. And the circumstances you are walking through does not change that reality. But the problem is, is we have so many believers who have not spent enough time developing their relationship with God as Father and us as His children to understand that in a strong enough manner that allows us to fight against that battle in our mind and we will give in and say God must not care about me at all because I'm dealing with this so I'm just going to go my own way and do my own thing anyway we have to know who we are as believers of Christ we have to know. And the final thing we, we need to win in the wilderness is we have to be steadfast in the truth. In other words, no matter how hard the temptation is, we have to be tougher. We have to be stronger. We have to have more fortitude. We have to have, we have, to have the metal to say no. We have to have that steadfastness. But that only comes through relationship with God and confidence in the truth and confidence in who you are. If you are confident in something, you can stand in something. I'm not going to stand on a foundation that I don't believe is solid. I'm not going to grab on. If I, I'm not a rock climber, but if I was, I'm not going to grab on to a handhold unless I know for sure that it's going to hold and it's going to be sturdy. 
And the only way I'll ever know if it's going to be sturdy and if it's going to hold is if I have enough experience in my relationship to climbing rocks that I can understand what is strong and what is not. And I can identify what is a real true handhold and foothold and what is not. In other words, I have to have enough confidence in my relationship with God to understand what is a lie and what is truth. What can I hold on to and what should I avoid? That's how we build steadfastness. That's how we build strong fortitude in the truth of God. And that's how we can win in the wilderness. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today?